0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems but a Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts Katie Carlisle and I'm a freelance Squarespace web designer and trainer.
1: Hi my name is Michelle Pratt, I'm owner of Dive Deeper Development which is a management and personal development coaching and training business. And today we're going
0: to be talking about a topic that impacts all freelancers at some point and that is rejection. So rejection doesn't feel especially good, but being able to deal with it well, and even actually use it in a positive way, is going to set you up for freelancing success. So. Michelle, why is rejection actually important
1: as a topic to talk about? Okay, well, I think rejection is a really important part of life, of course, and it is also part of the deal when you go to work as a freelancer. So competing for work comes with the territory. And of course, whenever you're going to have to compete for work, there's always going to be times when you don't come out on top. That's a good thing, though. I mean, sometimes rejection can be really useful. I mean, you're not going to be right for every client and not every client is going to be good for you. That said, it doesn't feel great. I mean, it's not a nice thing to experience, especially when you are the business. So it feels a bit more personal maybe than if you were employed. And it it can dent your confidence if you're exposed to too, too much. So this ability to be able to manage or deal with rejection is a really important part of being a freelancer and to have a healthy relationship with it as well.
0: And that's a really good point you make about the healthy relationship with rejection, because with it feeling so rubbish, it can be tempting to avoid anything that might lead to rejection. So, I mean, maybe one of the questions
1: is, yeah, should we, should we try and avoid rejection so that we don't feel bad? I would suggest trying not to avoid rejection too much. I would suggest that um, I wouldn't put yourself in a position where you have to, You know, you're repeatedly facing rejection. Unless you're very resilient, which is something else we talked about. Um, You don't want to face it too much. It can hit your confidence. But we also shouldn't try to avoid it completely. Uh, That said, Casey, I do think there are ways you can minimise rejection. And, And I know we were talking before about... Being a good fit, so when rejection happens, it's well, you know, it's not necessarily personal. It's just that maybe either culturally you're not the right fit with a client, or sometimes what you're offering isn't what they're looking for, and that's not personal. That's that's just business. So you know, so I don't think we should avoid avoid rejection. You know, that can have some benefits, but if you, as you get more experience as a freelancer, you get a sense of who your proposition is good for, which kind of clients you're really good at working with. And over time, you'll start to learn what works and you'll only begin to pursue the work, which is a really good fit for you. I think when you first start out, you wanna be accepted by anyone and you wanna take on any work and you might not know what a good fit is for you. So you're probably gonna get a bit more rejection, but I definitely, I don't know about your experiences, Katie, but I definitely think over time you start to hone in on those really sort of uh, productive relationships and then then if you're focusing what you're doing with the right proposition for the right needs with with the right people the chances of rejection disappear because um you know i remember applying for a piece of work once katie and I was thinking, oh, my God, this is me, you know, like what you want, all the things you're looking for. I have all those in abundance and your values are very close to my values. and We're passionate about the same stuff. This is an absolute no brainer. So I didn't even know there were something crazy like hundreds of people applied and they only took 16 in the whole country. And I was one of them that was successful. And the reason is, you know, my attitude was, well, this is what you need. This is what I have. We're a great fit. All I've got to do is explain that connection and lo and behold successful despite the odds you're not going to get rejected as much in those situations i think yeah
0: exactly i think we, we were talking just before the episode about actually we've we feel kind of you know I, i've almost kind of said oh yeah i've been lucky i've not really had many rejections and actually i think part of it is that some of the things that other people would consider re- rejections i reframe and don't see them as rejections But a lot of it is, like you say, Michelle, is actually only really going for the pieces of work that I think are a really good fit rather than just kind of trying to cast a really wide net. And I know, especially if you're new and starting out or if you're in an area where there isn't as much work available, that's really hard and you kind of have to go for things and kind of take a bit of a punt, you know, and there probably will be more rejection in that scenario. But if there's any way for you to just be really targeted, Like, I think I probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but when I first started out, I was using one of the job sites, um, People Per Hour, to try and get some work. And I think I read on the website at the time, most people got one out of every 18 jobs they applied for. And I was getting one in three. And that was because I was being super, super targeted and specific and only going for the proposals where they had you know a really clear brief and a decent budget and everything else i wasn't just kind of scattershot like going for everything because that would have been a waste of my time so i think in terms of that kind of avoiding rejection it's that don't don't avoid it because you're like scared of putting yourself out there but you probably can minimize your rejection by being strategic with what you go for but you just need to ask yourself Am I, you know, am I being am I calling it strategic because I'm scared of actually going for this bigger piece of work? And I think especially as women, we need to be really mindful that we often think that we're underqualified for things and you know, not to kind of make massive like generalizations about gender, but I do think that from you know, having spoken to women about this, men are more inclined to go for jobs that they don't have all the qualifications for or go for a piece of work, whereas we're not. And so I think we kind of then I don't know if it's that we're anticipating the rejection or something. So I think don't let that hold you back and have a go at that. Even if you don't tick all the boxes, if it otherwise, if it's something where you're like, okay, I don't meet all of the spec, but I would do a really good job at this. Don't let that hold you back. But yeah, you can kind of avoid a little bit of rejection by being quite targeted and and specific and working for
1: people who are a, a good fit
0: for you as well. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kate, the only time I ever sort of remember being, like you say, not had rejection for a while because I've been in business long enough to to find those good fits. But I, you know, where I have been rejected, it's where yeah, an opportunity has come out and I've speculatively put a CV in or expectatively put a proposal together, but my heart wasn't really in it. I remember going to one thing for a coaching role, and I totally tanked. But that, but but that was just because they had a very fixed idea of what coaching was in that environment and it wasn't what I do at all. So it turned out to be a good thing. And and you know, sometimes as well,
0: I've had it before where I've not got something I've applied for either a position or a piece of work or something. And it's that feeling of like utter relief when you get rejected and you're yeah. like, do you know what? I actually really shouldn't have gone for that, but I kind of put myself out there and I'd be in a really awkward position if I'd got the work or if I'd got the role. Um, and I applied for a voluntary role in relation to an, 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 uh, an industry association and like they'd asked me to apply and they'd asked me as a favour to nominate somebody else for the same roles it was like it was kind of this like voluntary kind of group they'd asked me to, as a favour to, to nominate somebody else And then somebody else ended up getting the job and not me. And I was like, oh, okay. But actually, literally, when I got the call, I was so relieved. And then they called me again to say, someone's just dropped out. There might actually be a space for you afterwards. And my heart sank. And I said, actually, I don't want it, even if that happens. And and it was just that kind of, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes when it's actually not a good fit, even after you've submitted it when you kind of have that sort of slight hope that it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> oh, I've, been, I've been rejected. I've done some things before, right? like uh, they've asked me to put something in or they've asked me to do something to a low standard. And I'm thinking, if you accept me after this... I will almost not respect you yeah. because either you've put constraints where I couldn't be at my best or I've kind of just speculatively put my proposal in and I kind of won't respect you or your standards if you accept this as, as the standard. So it's quite funny. There's a part of you that goes, Hey, how dare you reject me? I'm brilliant. And there's part of you that goes, Oh, thank God. So That's
0: it. Yeah. It's almost like that pride thing is actually rather than it actually being a detrimental impact on your business. It's more that it's just your pride that's hurt rather than anything else a lot of the time, because yeah, if, I mean, we we can go on to talk about this Michelle but you know we're one of the things that we want to talk about in this episode is actually that rejection can be a good thing and I think that's one of the reasons is it can actually help you know yourself because it can you know your feed, your kind of gut response when you get that rejection can tell you a lot about your business values and what's important to you but Michelle what other in what other ways can rejection be a good thing
1: yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, one of the things is you mentioned, Katie, just handling it. And I think if you handle it well, it can make you stronger. And there is something really empowering about being blase about getting rejected. You know, there's sometimes I've told people my price or some people I've told my proposition because they've inquired tentatively. And they go, okay, well, that's not for me. And actually I'm like, well, that's fine. You know, I, I just completely cool, completely fine with the fact that that's not a good fit for you. And actually you think, well, I've probably got, I've got some more work coming up or I'm quite busy anyway. And so when you get to that point, it's it's a really empowering feeling to have that good relationship with rejection which i think as a freelancer you'll you'll get pretty quickly and i think it can also reinforce your brand as well katie sometimes like i say you do put proposal in or you go for a meeting with a client and it becomes abundantly clear very early on that you're just not a good fit or that, like you say their standards or their values aren't the same as yours and uh you know it by being rejected by an organization that aren't fit with your brand anyway can actually be really good and I think that just keeps that means you're not associated with a brand or an organization with people who would reflect badly on you and I think and I think that's really important as well and I think it it can be good um, feedback as well in terms of what do you want to provide for your clients is what you're providing good is it correct and it causes you to think just reflects, like what we know what, what what is what i'm offering what these people need has the market changed as well so is the market changing and am i keeping up with market needs and so you get that feedback about what isn't is and isn't right for the client, but what isn't isn't right in the industry generally. So if you're finding a trend that people are asking for certain things, then it allows you to flex and respond to it. Because I know after the pandemic, Katie, lots of people in my industry were training people face-to-face. Then they had to go to virtual, that was a a tricky one, and they were getting rejected because they couldn't deliver virtually. Now they're telling they're rejecting clients because they they don't want to go traveling anymore. And so the industry has shifted and actually some of those people were finding they were getting rejected because they couldn't flex to what people now Needed quickly enough. And that was a bit of a wake up call for people to go, right, I need to change my offering. Yeah. And of course, that was a lesson that was learned very quickly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it does. And, you know, in the moment, it does not feel like this. In the moment of rejection, especially if you're in a financially difficult situation, in the moment of being rejected, it feels awful. But I do think it can help you to get really creative about developing your business. So that's something that we saw during COVID because. The rejections weren't personal for 99% of people that lost work in COVID. It was that literally the sky fell overnight and people didn't have budgets. And I lost quite a bit of work and contracts through it. And know, loads of other people did. But with that time, you can then almost kind of, you know, out, out of the ashes, the phoenix rises from the flames. And I think if you get that rejection, it kind of makes you it does make you think and reflect and be like actually okay yeah how do i need to change and i think that's where you can if you've got a bit stagnant as well that's where you can be a bit more creative and you can kind of go okay well You know what do they need how can i you know can i break this service down into more bite-sized chunks so it's more accessible and you know can i start them working with me because then once they've got the value of working with me they'll stay working and i can keep upselling them rather than trying to pitch them on a big contract can i actually start small or there's lots of ways you can be creative and i think yeah we've seen loads of examples of businesses that have pivoted or or kind of changed their business model because they got that kind of mass rejection because budgets weren't available and so I think yeah it can it can lead to to creativity and especially if you're able to actually reach out to the potential client or wherever you're applying to and actually get some feedback from them I know they're not always willing to provide it and if they do it might just be a sort of you know generic sentence or something but sometimes people are really happy to actually give you feedback and then you can actually use that to learn about how you can improve your services, or it might actually just be how you worded the proposal or, you know, something simple that could be actually fixed really easily for future. Uh, So I think it is really useful sometimes in that context.
1: And another thing, Katie, that is good about rejection is that it pushes you to to demonstrate your worth as well. So if you applied for work or you wanted to work with a client and you got rejected and you know it was a good fit, then it might just be that we didn't do enough to demonstrate that we're a good fit and of course if someone's not valuing your worth or not seeing your worth that can really give you that kick up the bum. as unpleasant as it is to (laughs) either demonstrate your worth to people to stand your ground or just to communicate your value much much better and that's never a bad thing to learn when you're running a business either. So lots of reasons, I think, to be positive about rejection. It can, As we said, it can be a great tool for learning, great for your brand, and it's a useful thing to be able to manage. Let, let's talk about some tips about how we practically deal with rejection, because although we talk about it being good, it still doesn't feel very nice, and it is useful to be able to cope with it well. So Katie, any tips from you about what we can do to cope with rejection constructively?
0: I think the first one I'd say is actually, I kind of touched on it earlier, but actually I think try and maybe reframe the rejection because i find that really helpful i think we've talked about reframing things before on the podcast you know like collaborators rather than competition and stuff and it sounds a little bit like you're just trying to sort of delude yourself but i do think it genuinely can make you feel more positive about a bad situation so i think for me it's about you know it's not a rejection it's not personal you know it's just that this wasn't a good fit and maybe i dodged a bullet or i learned something but it's, yeah, kind of the first thing I'd say was, yeah, can you reframe it so it doesn't hurt so much? And it actually, it's kind of, I don't wanna be cheesy, but like, oh, it's a learning experience, but can you reframe it to actually make it feel like something which isn't so horrible and kind of go, okay, well, it is what it is. It's a shame, here's what I've got from it. And actually kind of even like, you know, specifically like, okay well I spent a lot of time on that proposal but actually I've now got the the kind of outline for any subsequent proposals and that I've had that before where I've put in a proposal got rejected had another opportunity to put in a proposal with a very short turnaround time and I was so grateful that I had done the previous one because I then had the basis for tweaking it for the subsequent proposal which I then got so you know you never know what's going to come of something and I think that's maybe something else in terms of coping with rejection is knowing that that rejection doesn't necessarily mean the end of everything. I've had it before where I've not got a piece of work, but then the person has either moved to a different organisation or there's been a new opportunity that's come up that's been a better fit for me. And they've got back in touch with me because they remembered me. And even though they couldn't give me the work the first time, they really liked how I approached it. And then they reached out to me and said, actually, we've got this work that'd be a great fit for you. Can you maybe kind of put in a, a proposal for this in the sort of kind of we need to formally go through this but this is work is being designed for you kind of thing so I think that's just knowing that it's not necessarily a no forever it's just a not now in some cases
1: yeah, and I think people the same people, as you say, will, will possibly work with you again. It wasn't like it was a total disaster. And people know that, th- that people grow, that they change, uh, and they may even recommend you to, to somebody else. So it's, don't think if you fail that client once, you'll never be able to approach them ever again, as long as you can demonstrate you've learned. Um, or you know their needs better than it. Then, then it doesn't really matter. And I, I'd probably add to that, Katie. Just be be kind to yourself as well. So being rejected does hurt, as you say. It doesn't feel very nice. Allow yourself to feel a little bit hurt. Don't wallow in it, but just just be kind and and just understand that. Yeah, okay, it's disappointing, especially when you invest so much in it it's natural to be disappointed um and yeah just just as you say that reframing you were talking about can be a way of being a little bit kinder to yourself beating yourself up probably isn't going to do anything destructive either but
0: you're absolutely right you know acknowledge and validate your feelings rather than trying to shove them down Uh, when i talk about reframing i'm not talking about just ignoring my feelings it's it's more just kind of like huh okay yeah that hurts for a minute. You know, like when you stub your toe, you're just like, oh, this is a world of pain. But it goes away quite quickly. And then you can be like, OK, what am I going to do now? And I think that's the thing, the next step of like, yeah, ow, that hurt. What am I going to do now? What's next? And I think, you know, what you were right about what you were saying, but don't take it personally. And I think if it wasn't a good fit, then it wasn't a good fit and it wasn't going to be. And... I think the other thing to remember is like I said earlier, like I've had work where I've been invited to tender and I've probably been the one they had in mind. And unless there had been an amazing other person, I was probably in line to get the work, but they have to have three proposals to meet the compliance and everything. And you never know when you're one of those people who the work isn't designed for. So it really isn't personal a lot of the time. It's a frustrating situation to have put time in when the work has been kind of designed with somebody else in mind but it you know that happens so often and it really isn't personal and i think there's probably a lot that could be done around the procurement process of when you kind of go for work and if you are putting in quotes or applying for jobs and things like that but it, it really isn't personal
1: yeah and Kate sometimes they might give you might get feedback which suggests it is personal so they might tell you that you were the problem i mean take that take that feedback on board try and understand their perception it may not be reality but see if there's anything you can do about the perception or anything that gave that idea but also understand that some of these people giving you the rejection are not very good at giving feedback they just don't Mm. have those skills so I I mentor young people to apply for jobs sometimes a lot of them are getting rejected for jobs and I'm saying to them that don't take it personally I have worked in a business and I have been that internal customer and I know some of the people that have conducted interviews or I know some people that have been judging the tender process and they are not very skilled feedback givers Um, and quite often the way these things work is that client um, they have a day job they're very busy and then one of their colleagues or their manager hauls them over and says hey you we've got a tender to look at or you've got someone to give a job to we're doing interviews get your backside in the meeting room in one hour i need you to, to take notes i need you to do the judging and that person thinking, "What a faff!" You know, I, I'm not skilled for it. I'm not trained in it. I don't enjoy it. And now I've got to go and give the feedback. They don't have the skills. So it, you know, if it is personal feedback, take it on board. Uh, try to see if that is a true true thing. Think about those perceptions, but also understand that the people on the inside of these businesses, they don't always have the skills to handle these things well, or even make judgments. People by training. Um, into businesses they don't know what they're buying it's the same with your websites and the other thing i'd say katie is that it is your client's prerogative to run their business however they want and that's nothing to do with you so sometimes your client says you're expensive and you know that you're not or you're not flexible when you're simply just trying to steer them from making a costly mistake so you can do the best to to say why your approach is better in the long run but leave it be and always leave egos intact as well. I mean, they may come back when they've realized that their quick fix was a mistake. Do you know what? They might not. They might want quick and dirty. And and, and again, I've been that internal customer and I've like literally not had the budget. I'm like, yes, your proposal is brilliant and that's exactly what we need. I just cannot get the sign off. Or yes, I know that your your proposal is good, but the director wants to get results for his director really quickly. And he just wants to show his boss he's getting stuff done. He wants to go for the quickest solution. Yeah. It's madness. I know it's madness. I just can't get sign off for this. So yeah. either way, it's, it's their choice, but I would also say don't ever publicly criticize them for taking the cheap or easy route it's not a good look just accept that that was their business decision they've taken it for pragmatic reasons for right or for wrong it's up to them that's not about you yeah that's the only way i can think to say it katie really yeah yeah and i think
0: as well like when when you're you know before you even actually put in a proposal or go for a particular job If there's any way you can have a conversation with somebody and say, what's the priority for you? Is it, you know, value delivery? Is it budget? Like the kind of biggest contract I've ever got, I had a conversation with them first. And because I said, is there even any point applying? It's face-to-face work. It was down in Cornwall and I live up in North Wales. I was like, I'm gonna have to charge you for the travel time. It's not gonna be very cost effective. And she said, we're looking for value, not cost. And that made me feel very confident to charge appropriately for my services and really focus in the proposal was all about how is this adding value? And that was literally like, here's the cost, but this is what amazing value you get for that cost. And so I think if you can have that conversation beforehand, it's gonna save you a lot of time. If they're like, budget is our number one priority, you need to just think about, okay, well, if I'm putting in more than that, if I'm not competitive, then chances are I will get rejected, even if that's doing it the right way. Like yeah. like you said, Michelle, the number of times people will have other slake oil people overpromising and under-delivering and that's the client's mistake to make. And like you say, sometimes they will come back to you having realized they've made that mistake and other times they won't. You There's not much you can do about that other than steer them in the right direction. And if their hands yeah. are tied budgetarily, then that is the situation
1: yeah and i think and that's the other one as well kate as well just um when you get that feedback and, and we say do ask for feedback you don't have to be needy but you can say you know what would have made me more competitive or what made you go with x in the end it would be useful to me and again sometimes yeah. you get that sometimes you don't and actually
0: then you if you ask that question then yeah it just it can you can have an idea in the mind about in your mind about why you were rejected that can be completely different from the reality and like one of the things we do with our the software business, I'm with my partner when someone cancels their subscription you know it's not they probably just think they're cancelling with a mega business that doesn't know they don't know it's two people who are running it from their front room but when they cancel we ask them what's your reason for cancelling and 90% of the time it's nothing to do with the product it's that oh we, we decided to take the business in a different direction or oh we're, we're we've run out of funding and so we don't have the capacity to do this anymore it's 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 rarely a reflection of the the tool itself which is really nice actually for us and then sometimes we'll get some feedback and we'll be like oh well actually that helps us know what features to build and things and so yeah I think it's it is and sometimes it is the problem with the tool and we just have to go okay well we, we know to you know improve that for future customers next time
1: yeah, and I think that humility, Katie, as well, is is also important. So when we say it's, it's up to the clients to make a mistake and, and you can seek the feedback, I would also say be a bit humble as well. Sometimes I do, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the training world, I come across people that say, oh, no, you know, this is the right way to do it. My process works like this. And if you don't do this, it doesn't work. And I can't work with you otherwise. And, I, you know, I kind of get a little bit frustrated with that. I, I had before the pandemic, I used to have people say, oh, no, my proposition only works face to face. You need that connection. You can't possibly get quality. You can't really do true training unless it's uh, face-to-face. And I've been doing it for years, and I was like, "Mm, no, that's not true. You can do genuine facilitation and training. You have to do it differently. You can do it. And they were so precious about it. Those were the people that, when the the pandemic hit, lost a lot of business. And when we were kind of trying to support each other, going, no, actually, for those of us who have trained online, here's how you can do it and do it effectively – they, they were trying to like take um, a face-to-face process and shoehorn it into online. It's like, no, you've, you've got to come back at this differently. They were very precious you know, that, about their process. I've got this activity and I use these cards. Okay, yeah, that's fine, but you can get to the same end via a different means. So that willingness to, to change, and I always say to Katie, you, know, you can't train someone who isn't in the room. So you mentioned earlier, maybe going for something smaller or quicker, knowing you can influence for something bigger, further down the line. And you, 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 know, sometimes people just are, your clients are in a bind and they have a problem to solve and they need it solved quickly. And no, you wouldn't, wouldn't ideally like to work that way. But if you can help them out of a hole at that point in time, they are grateful to you. Then you're knocking on an open door. So. You know, take the feedback um, and accept that it's up, it's their mistake to make. But also ask yourself, is that you being a bit precious? Are you being inflexible? So don't beat yourself up. But a bit a bit of self reflection, I think, could be could be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think we can get a little bit too precious about our work sometimes, and just be like, no, but but we have to do it this way. Like I mean, web design is a classic for this. Of like, you know, oh yeah, we have to we have to have this. We have to have this you know, this, this phase and we have to have this and we have to do this and we have to build this feature and we have to do this. And it's like, do we though? Like, can we just actually give the client a kind of basic version to get started? and then build from there you know i'm a massive fan of the whole minimum, minimum viable product approach but i think a lot of you know designers especially i think probably have that like no, i want to make it beautiful and perfect when it launches and it has to have all these animations and everything interacting and and i'm just like does it, does it?
1: and sometimes the client is right katie like i've i've done this before with like virtual training software i've got a client who's still using skype for business which as i understand it is going to going to disappear soon and we went from this really interactive software which was perfect fit for classroom and they wanted to go to skype for business which is just slides and some chat but the feedback scores from the from the participants went up massively when we went to the software that they were familiar with we were asking them to use software which was great but they for some reason just couldn't take to but when we use the software that they already know and love the the engagement scores went up and people love the sessions so I, i it baffles me to this day but the client was right about their people they know
0: yeah. yeah so they know what their needs are sometimes actually and as much as you can try and anticipate them they actually are the ones ultimately who run that business day in and out
1: yeah i'd have put money on that not being true you know i'd have put money on that being wrong but um i was wrong and sometimes you've got to say yeah okay i was wrong
0: <laughs> yeah and that's yeah accepting that you were wrong about how you pitched something and that maybe you missed the mark or anything is is hard to swallow but it can help you be better for next time and i think that's probably what I would also look at is you know looking at look at what you've got out of that rejection a the knowledge of you know ways to improve and also yeah maybe making a may, maybe making a new connection it's like people remember you even if they reject you like I was nominated an award, and I got to the finals of an award and didn't win. I was robbed, obviously.
1: Recounts, recounts. <laughs>
0: I was like, oh, but do you know what? I was, I was still a finalist, and I'll always be a finalist. And even just being a finalist, even though it felt like a rejection not to win, like being a finalist got me so many opportunities. Even though I didn't, it was disappointing not to get the thing I wanted. It got me so many opportunities. And it got me a really good relationship with the organisation that was running the awards. The award I went for, in hindsight, yeah, what they were looking for wasn't quite what I was proud of doing. Whereas the stuff where I actually got an award, that was what I was really proud of. And so I think that was a better fit for me. I, I
1: think some other things as well, Katie, as well, if you want to cope with rejection well... Um, I would suggest um, focusing on your strengths because you know this is a passion of mine. Um, so don't get let it hit your confidence, You know, focus on what you do well. So what skills or personal qualities do you have? What resources or tools do you have in your locker or have you created uh, this time around? And um, you know, what's gonna get your future business? And then if you put your focus on these, so remind yourself about the good feedback you've had in the past, the clients that you've pleased, the products you've got, the learning you've had, all of this is going to make you feel a lot more positive so focus on what you do have rather than what you don't and then maybe actually think about your brand as well Katie so you sh- ideally I think you get the best out of your business when you play in the place of your strengths and where your values are so I would suggest focus on those because you're always going to get this upward cycle whereas if you're doing things you love and you're good at in the way that you want to work that feels great your clients are happy and you get this virtuous upward cycle so uh, I mean um, this was a I've mentioned this on the podcast before but I was given a tip to note down positive customer feedback in a spreadsheet or a word document and every so often go back in and reread it to myself and keeping that rep- repository of strengths or feedback or achievements that that's going to put you in a much more resourceful uh, state as well
0: yeah definitely and I think one other thing you can think about if you're really struggling to kind of Get over the rejection is to try and take a bit of a step back and try and get some perspective on it so you know how much are you actually going to care about this in a year or in five years maybe you will i mean like <laughs> i saw a really funny comment on twitter a couple of weeks ago and it was like somebody who'd i don't know they got into trouble at school and their pe teacher or someone had said and they got really upset about it and the teacher had said what day is it today and they said oh april 21st and they're like right you are never going to remember this day again and then like literally they tweeted like 20 years later on april 21st i still remember i still remember the injustice <laughs> and so maybe you will but chances are you probably won't and or at least the the impact will have lessened over a year five, and in five years and maybe it'll even become a funny story to tell or something that you can share with other freelancers where you can kind of pass on your knowledge and wisdom of like oh yeah that time i got rejected really badly here's how you know how you can avoid doing that you can kind of pay it forward and i think ultimately you can try and kind of make your peace with it a little bit and um you know it is it, it almost feels a bit like a, a breakup and we're actually gonna be talking about business breakups in a kind of more um amicable way in the next episode but it can feel that same feeling of like if you're being
1: dumped and and you know
0: time heals that so i think that's the thing to bear in mind.
1: Yeah. You can make it part of your brand as well. Like sometimes you can make it a badge of honor who you've been rejected by, which is which is great.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I love the restaurants or cafes or whatever who have the like worst worst breakfast ever according to Jim One Two Three on TripAdvisor,
1: and they actually make that a selling point, and I love that. dog put it on T-shirts, didn't they? And their staff started wearing them around around, uh. the, around the bars, so that's good. But it can be part of your brand as well. It's like Stella yeah. Artois, reassuring the expensive, you know. Um, it yeah, focus your your brand positioning you know.
0: Yeah if I ever got some kind of like slight from the Daily Mail I'd
1: just be like dining out on that for years. Yeah to be rejected and also you know sometimes you're rejected by people who don't want to pay what you're worth, either because they haven't got the money and that's no one's fault, but sometimes they just don't value what you do. And actually, you kind of want to be rejected by them. And that's quite nice to say, you know, I turned down this one or the other, or so and so turned me down. I was actually given this good piece of advice. Um, I was talking to a business owner who was a few steps ahead of me when I first started. And she said, when you tell people your price or your proposition, you want them to go, if they go, yeah, sure, I'll pay it straight away, you've probably priced yourself too, too low and undervalued your services. You kind of want a bunch of people saying no to you because you want the people who really value you. So this can be a good thing for your brand and your values too. I think one of the the final thing, Katie, and we've mentioned this in another podcast episode where we talk about uh, our relationship with failure. But again, another mindset for freelancers, we talk about a good relationship with rejection, a good relationship with failure is similar and equally important. And so one of my favorite quotes is good judgment. We all want good judgment. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes with bad judgment and so we need the bad judgment to get the good judgment so the faster you fail the faster you notch up the nose the faster you get the feedback you need to develop your business so each no can be a little iteration a little improvement each no thanks is a step further forward and you're wiser than you than you were before so failure isn't fatal it's a good source of a good source of learning so i think this is a a good attitude to have towards being rejected
0: yeah and that's true we actually mentioned towards the start of the episode about you know should you avoid rejection and maybe just go for the things that are Good fit, but actually, the other option is to actually kind of yeah desensitize you a little bit to rejection by just putting yourself out there and going for all kinds of crazy things that you probably wouldn't get, and just get used to the rejection. But at least you've tried, and maybe one of those things will work. And I mean, we've talked about this before. Our friend Katia a few years ago had like a, a target of failures, and she I think she had like a kind of star chart, um, and so she had got she got a silver star if she put herself out there and got successful, but she got a gold star, if she put herself out there and failed. And actually she found it really hard to fail because she was putting herself out there for things where she just assumed she'd get rejected, but she actually did get the, get the work. And so, but but she said it also really helped. So she failed at failing was what we're saying. Yeah, it helped her get used to the failure because she was expecting it. So I think, or the rejection I should say, rather than failure. But we have done an episode in episode six, it was one of our early ones about failure. So. Again, if that's something that kind of feels, again, it feels a bit kind of horrid for you to think about, like, oh, don't want to fail, don't want to fail, then maybe go and listen to that episode and get some ideas about failure
1: as yeah. well it's a good story okay there's a lovely story of a therapist who's got is helping a chap who's too scared to ask out women and he and she said to him right here's here's what you got to do before our next session you've got to go to the department store stand at the bottom of the escalator and uh, take 10 women and each woman that comes down the escalator ask her if she wants to go for a cup of tea with you and she said the reason why she asked him to do it was of course no sane woman is <laughs> going to go for a cup of tea with this random man But she knew that if he got rejected 10 times, just asking for a cup of tea, he was going to understand it wasn't going to kill him, you know, that the rejection wasn't the end of the world. So she literally got him to experience rejection 10 times over and the worst case scenario was that someone would say yes, and he'd be successful. So like you say with Katia's chart, sometimes you fail at failing, but that's no, that's no bad thing either. Yeah, exactly.
0: So hopefully by now we've kind of gone through why being rejected is, horrible, whether you should avoid it. We've looked at how it can actually be a good thing for your business and we've given you some tips on practical steps you can take and also ways to deal with just the emotional kind of consequences of rejection. So we always like to end our episodes with our top takeaways. So Michelle, if you could just do one thing to cope with rejection, what would it be?
1: I think Katie I would say don't take it personally take the feedback but then try to depersonalize it. it is a source of learning it's not a criticism of you as as in your worth as a human being so that would be my one if if you take nothing else I'd go for that one What, what about you I think probably reframing it that's what I always come back to and
0: rather than feeling like this is a rejection looking at it as like okay this was just something that wasn't a good fit and what have I got out of it um so try and kind of just to say that actually when i'm talking about that like i am like literally like the world's most kind of panicky emotional like (laughs) everything is terrible spiraling out of control person so if i can manage it then you can (laughs) so yeah it's not like i'm like super zen (laughs) like i'm the opposite of zen whatever that is and even i can handle reframing rejections so um, it is possible so we'd love to hear your thoughts as always around how you deal with rejection and any other topics that you'd like us to tackle on the podcast if you want to interact with us we're on twitter at 99 problems cast that's the number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast and we'll see you again for another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one